0: hello and welcome back to the transform podcast wait hang on i need to restart that What's up everybody and welcome back to the Transform podcast. That's how I always start the, my podcast. In fact, if you go back to some older episodes, Jeff Archie actually told me I need to get that phrase written on a t-shirt. Um, so maybe I maybe I'll get that done. Maybe at PGP or something this coming year you could come by and grab a What's up everybody t-shirt or something like that. I don't know. We'll figure something out. But regardless, thank you so much for being here today and for joining me for this episode. Um, this is episode number 4 of season number 5 of the Transform podcast here on the Scattered Abroad network again. Go to scatteredbroad.org, find everything you need to about our network. We certainly are, pr- are appreciative of you. Being a listener, please share this. We'd love to get the word out as to who we are and everything that we are about. Uh, we're talking specifically today um, about this idea of faith, virtue, and diligence. Um, all of it, a lot, kind of a broad topic, I suppose, but all found in Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 5, as we are talking about this theme of Christian living. What is it? What is Christian living? And how it has everything to do with all of these things. Now, We're talking specifically today about more so about faith. Um, And we understand the foundational importance of having faith. You and I know um, that without faith, um, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and we're going to get to that verse here in just a moment. Um, But we understand that. We can't be a faithful Christian without the word faith. You can't believe in anything without faith. Um, and you can't believe that heaven is your home, that there's something greater than this life without having faith. Now, faith is something that needs to be Um, discussed more, I suppose. It's something that needs to be um, talked more about, especially with our young people in terms of getting our young people to a point to where they feel comfortable going out into the world um, with the faith that that they have. Um, We know that faith has to be your own, has to be something that you believe, and it can't be dependent upon other people and other things because this world has its ever-changing waves. And well, sometimes those things upon which our faith is grounded um, move and they go away. And when that happens, what happens to our faith? So you see, our faith must be grounded in Jesus Christ and his word because that is unmovable. That will always, always be there. Now, Peter talks about this idea of adding to your faith, etc. All of these things are here up upon the foundation of faith, implying that you and I already have a faith in God. A faith in who He is, a faith in what God is doing for us, in in God's word, we understand that it is our roadmap to success in this life and the life hereafter. It's a foundation, right? And we talked about that a minute ago. Uh, and without that solid foundation, you can't build these things up. Faith must come first. And it's so funny. It's not funny, but it's just interesting that Peter begins with faith, and then everything else build upon the top of that. So our faith must be solid or else these Christian virtues, these Christian graces will never ever work in our lives. So, why is faith so important? Well, a couple of things to think about. Number 1, what about faith? Well, faith is pleasing, right? Hebrews chapter 11 and verse uh verse 6, we understand that. Without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of the th- of those who diligently seek him. You and I know about God and the fact that God is our father, right? Second Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18, I will be a father to you, you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. We understand that we as Christians are to be his children. But for John chapter one, and verse 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Thus, as children, we should want to be as pleasing as we possibly can to him. Now, what all is involved in that? Well, again, going back to Hebrews 11 and verse 6, being pleasing to God means we have faith in him. You want to be pleasing to God. If, If you do, ground your faith in his word. Young people, we talked about this a moment ago, build your solid foundation now. Build your foundation now. Don't wait until you go to high school. Don't wait until you go to college. Don't wait until you get your first real job. Build it now. Because as you go through high school, as you go through college, as you go go through all of those things in life that throw so many twists and turns and curves at us, if you don't have that solid faith, your Christianity is not going to last. It'll sizzle out. Build your solid foundation now. Passages like Matthew chapter 7, beginning of verse 24, detail it for us very well. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, Jesus says, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and great was its fall. Those storms and winds of life, friends, they're going to come. Whether you want them to or not, whether you're ready for them or not, they're going to come. And your foundation will prove whether or not you are founded within our God and his word. But in order to be, excuse me, in order to gain a great faith like that, you have to be someone who hears. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, so the faith comes by healing, healing by the word of God. It is one of the most basic Christian principles. You want to have a solid faith? Then you listen to the word of God. You want to be pleasing to God? You listen to him. Go all the way back to the very first encounter of the very first physical murder, recorded physical murder. Think about Cain. Cain and Abel were approached by God to offer a sacrifice. There were instructions, obviously, in order for them to do that. And they were supposed to follow those instructions. Abel did because his sacrifice was accepted by God. Cain's sacrifice was rejected by God. Thus, we understand he did not offer it the way that God wanted him to. Now, we don't exactly know all of the intricate details, but we do know this. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4 tells us that by faith, Abel offered his sacrifice. Well, how do you do something by faith? Again, Romans chapter 10 of verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you're going to offer something in faith, you offer it through hearing. Abel heard, listened, offered, it was accepted. Cain obviously did not listen because his his sacrifice was rejected. We must hear if we want to have the right kind of faith. But then number three, our faith must also be obedient. And I think this is so important to understand because... So many people don't, I guess, really believe this aspect of faith. They believe that if long you have faith, that's great. But faith, we understand, is active. Go back to the question we asked. Do you want to have a solid faith? Of course we do. Then listen to this. You want to have solid faith? Listen, but also obey. James chapter 2, beginning at verse 20, James says this. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which says Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. If you and I want to be faithful Christians, people who are pleasing to God, people who are going to give everything that they have and diligence to God, those who are solidifying their faith in God, in who he is, what he's done, and what he continues to do, If we want to be faithful Christians, we're going to add these things to our lives. We're going to build them upon our faith, and we're going to do all that we can to be pleasing to him. But not only that, adding to our faith, we will also add virtue. Virtue. What does the word virtue mean? What is virtue? Really a word that we don't use in our uh, vocabulary today much anymore, but it's it's this idea of moral excellence, moral power, moral energy having a vigor of soul, in other words, having the courage to act the right way and in the right manner, in the midst of adversity, through the midst of storms, in the midst of trials and tribulations and struggles that we all go through, are you someone who does what is right and who puts great energy in doing so? We've said this before, we all go through struggles, we all go through difficulties. In fact, Drew settles in his podcast on Thursdays, the Weathering the Storm podcast, he talks a lot about going through those trials and difficulties, but he talks about how to respond to those things. Guy in Woods said this, he said, virtue, which faith supplies, is courage and soul vigor, the manliness and determination to do that which is right. The determination to do that which is right. Who has virtue? I think about Joseph. Joseph beginning there in Genesis chapter 37, if you think about what goes on in Joseph's life, certainly he endured so much. He endured so many things, but specifically in this particular context, you remember Joseph has been sold into slavery by his brothers. He's been brought to bought to, by Potiphar to Potiphar's house. He rises though because of his diligent effort, his, his hard work. He rises to overseer the house, but then Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him. What's his response? Notice verse eight. And it came to pass. Well, notice back to verse seven. It came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, "Lie with me." But he refused and said to his master's wife, "Look, my master does not know what is in me, what is with me in the house, and has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin?" Against God. He understood that it was wrong. He knew, though, that probably he would never have been caught by any man, but he knew it was wrong and he knew that he couldn't sin against God. Think about another example. Think about Ruth. In Ruth chapter 1, beginning in verse 16, we understand Naomi's husband has died. Ruth's husband has died. Orpah, she leaves to go back home. Ruth, however, has no blood relation to Naomi. Well, within her rights to abandon her, to leave, to not stick with her, but notice. In those famous verses beginning of verse 16, Baruch said, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you, for wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. She says, I'm going to do, by, do right by you, no matter what happens. No matter what we go through, no matter what people say, I'm going to be there with you. Think about Daniel chapter 3, looking at those three friends that were together Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They've been taken into captivity. They're standing before the great king Nebuchadnezzar. The statue's been built. They're supposed to bow down, they're supposed to worship, but they don't. So they're brought before the king, and notice how they respond in the beginning of verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, We have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. The pressure to do what everyone else was doing so that they wouldn't face death was strong. It was persistent. It was there, but because of their virtue, because of their courage, because they are willing to stand up for what is right, they didn't prevail. They did prevail rather, and they didn't give in. But then I think about one more example. First Peter chapter two, beginning of verse 21. I want to close this episode by reading this passage of scripture. First Peter 2, beginning of verse 21, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who committed no sin, verse 22, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray. But have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Perfect, sinless, spotless, the pure Lamb of God, committed no sin, the determination to do what's right. That's what Jesus did. You know, during the French Revolution, there is an individual by the name of Gilbert du Motoir, or I'm sure I mispronounced that. Um, <laughs> Gilbert du Motor Marquis de Lafayette. That's just remember that name. Okay, uh, he was demissed, dismissed from the army. He was exiled with a price on his head, and he was trying to escape to America. He was captured. He was imprisoned in Germany, and they offered him freedom in return if he would join with them against France. And he boldly looked at them. And he said, "Never. I am still Lafayette." He was still true to himself in that he understood what it was that he stood for, and he wasn't going to betray his country. When you and I face trials, when we face struggles, tribulations, do we look them in the face and say, I'm not giving up, I'm not giving in because I am a Christian? I hope that's our attitude as it comes to the things that we face in this life. You and I know we go through struggles, we go through trials, but do we have the faith, the virtue, and the diligence? to be who we need to be. I'm excited to continue in this series of the Christian graces as we go through these over the course of the next couple of months in our studies together. I'm grateful you joined with me. I'm looking forward to next week as we dive into another one. And until then, thank you so much for joining me and God bless. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the scattered abroad network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. May God bless you.